Often, we are not able to cure, but we are always able to care. Henry Nowen. The Dragon Pod from Bending Not Breaking. Book 5 Ocean. Chapter 1 Domina Profundus. Welcome back to another episode of Bending Not Breaking the Dragon Pod. That's right, we have a whole season of the Dragon Prince to cover, the mystery of Erevos. This is the Dragon Pod where we will be covering every episode of season five, book five, I should say, Ocean. Very exciting. And this episode is featuring just me. That's right, you get a full episode of just me, and I am really excited to kind of uh, set a tone for this season, because we have an incredible guest list. I'm saying, like, boy, G. Willikers, it's gonna be a good season. Uh, you're gonna hear some familiar voices, you're gonna hear some new voices, and I really look forward to sharing their insight with you. We've already recorded several of the episodes, and I'm just really excited to share some of the ones we've already had because, man, there's a lot of good conversations. But uh, since we are uh, not having a guest today, that means we can kind of dive into some some different things than we'll normally cover. Uh, normally, of course, you're aware that we check in with our guests. But instead, since you haven't heard from me for a while, I thought I'd check in with you all and tell you a little bit about me uh, and tell you how I'm doing and what's new with me. Uh, I have just started my last year of graduate school, at least for the program that I'm currently in with my two master's degrees. So at the end of this year in May, theoretically, I will have graduated with two master's degrees, and I'm just really excited to be done. But uh, there's a lot to do before that. And so I'm, I'm kind of really excited about what's happening right now. I'm in some classes that I really enjoy, which I did not really enjoy a lot of my classes uh, last year. And so this is a new feeling for me that has been rekindled my, my love of learning. And I've started seeing clients that I'm really thrilled to be able to practice and learn from and grow with and be supervised on. And so lots of cool things are happening. And uh, I just had a birthday recently. I am 33 years old. And I baked some bread recently. All in all, things are going fairly well and looking up. Uh, some some pop things, pop culture things that I've been a part of have been playing uh, <laughs> the Tears of the Kingdom, Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom fully, uh, 100%ing it, and that took me well over 300 hours. <laughs> uh, don't judge me for the amount of time that took. Um, and I've also been playing uh, Final Fantasy 16, which has been just a beautiful game, really incredible story beats, and so far I've put in about 50 hours, but... I imagine that will be closer to uh, 100 once I am done with everything. And so that's just really exciting as well to be able to have invested in, in such cool things. Um, and I've really enjoyed learning and growing through that gameplay as well. 
And so that's that's a little bit about me. I'm I'm excited to talk about the Dragon Prince this season with you all because we've had a lot of reflections to learn through and learn with. We've had lots of changes in terms of the story arc and seasons one through three as a package and then going into the mystery of Erebos with season four, which felt a lot like uh, setting the stage. And now that we're in season five, I can see how important and necessary all of those things were because this season has taken it off running. And this episode is a really beautiful start. And so uh, normally we would go into the primal source segment here. And for those of you who are listening perhaps for the first time, this is where when we have a guest that's uh, that was present during the making of the show. Sometimes it's a voice actor, sometimes it's a writer, sometimes it's a combination of all kinds of things, a producer. Uh, we ask them just what is something about this episode that's behind the scenes that's worth knowing. And since I don't know anything about that, we're going to skip it, frankly. But uh, I am going to tell you that this source, uh, Primal Source segment We'll be back, and I just wanted to let you all know that it's definitely returning with our guests moving forward. The next thing we do is we realize that we pick a lens to discuss each episode. And this episode, I chose the lens of care and caregiving. And we've talked about this before on the podcast, but with my different lens and the fact that this is a different show and a different episode, it felt like a really prescient conversation to be having. And I'm excited to kind of tap into it. So when I, when I think about caregiving right now, I'm definitely thinking about it in context of my clients. And as a, uh, a therapist and an aspiring therapist, I am thinking about what care looks like and what it means to receive care in different contexts. And what we see is so many different versions of care throughout this episode that I thought it was a really neat way for us to kind of parse out and think about. And I recently have been thinking about what it means to receive care and what it feels like to be cared for. And having been my birthday, I'm, I'm one to keep my birthday quiet. And what that has kind of led me to realize is that it's not that I like a quiet birthday. It's that I don't like bringing attention to myself and almost as if it's like, oh, no, uh, you don't want to burden somebody with having to, you know, bring you attention or something along those lines. And what that has led me to is over the years telling less and less people, but then also feeling more and more. Uh, unseen and unappreciated on my birthday and it's an interesting kind of mix because I still don't want to like okay I'm gonna have a party just for me because it feels indulgent and I realize that these are things that I need to work on and it's not a judgment on anyone for celebrating in fact I'm, I'm kind of there's a I, I'm a big fan of Casper Turkile who uh, talks about how special and how much ritual he puts around his birthday and what it means to have a birthday in the context of of friendship and love. And I find so much, uh, I'm, I'm so intrigued and so interested in that. And yet putting that into practice is really difficult for me. And I, and I acknowledge that that's a me thing. But as my birthday came and went and I received, you know, significant care from a few people and then 
from the the acquaintance category received not not much and even from some of my really good friends it was just a happy birthday text or something along those lines and thinking about how that is something that i can cultivate or change by communicating to the people i care about if i want that to be different and if i don't then they won't change and why would they why should they um, so I'm just thinking about like how we ask to be cared for matters and not only how we ask to be cared for, but what our expectations of care look like for one another is an interesting question that I think this episode lifts up as well. So all of that said, I want to kind of lift up some definitions for us because I think when people think about what care is, I don't think that everybody thinks of the actual definition. And I'm turning to Miriam Webster here and looking at some of the definitions of care that I think are interesting to lift up here. So caring is suffering of mind, uh, a disquieted state of mixed uncertainty, apprehension, and responsibility. Care is to feel trouble or anxiety. Care is to feel interest or concern. And that's just really fascinating to think about all of these different definitions. And, you know, I think caring originally, I think the etymology is to suffer with. And I think that that's really interesting in its relationship to compassion. And so I think that all this said and done is something that I think will be really interesting to parse out in this episode. But before we do, before we parse this out, our responsibility, uh, because this is what we've said we will do, is to have, and I know I could change this, this is just the status quo, but it's also fun um, and helpful, I think, for people who haven't watched the episode recently. We're going to do a 30-second recap. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put 30 seconds on the clock here. I'm getting my timer out. I'm going to do it. And what I'm going to do is I get 30 seconds to recap the episode to the best of my ability. And I'm going to go in three, two, one. So Ezrin summons Domina Profundus, and then Rayla and Callum banter about books and things. Then Terry and Claudia worry for Viren, and then Kareem is banished, and the ring is taken. And then Rayla sneaks up into the mage dungeon and finds coin and bow and has a chat with loved ones. And then Claudia's anxious, and Terry calms with Earthblood mindfulness tricks. And then Rayla's caught by Opelia, and Callum offers unconditional trust that Claudia is relaxed. And Humunculus screams about childhood and child blood. And then let's go to the bookery, and then Domina Profundus splashes Ezrin and then tells him that what the prison is. And that's the 30 seconds. Okay. Woohoo. I did it. And we did it. You know what? This is a collective effort where we join together. Thank you to our listeners for being a part of this. Uh, I hope you're having as much fun as I am <laughs> when the, we do the 30 second recaps. Ah, joy. All right. So what we're going to do is we're going to move to our episode discussion. Now we're going to talk about some of the things that happened in this episode that through a lens of care came up for me to kind of talk about and, and wonder about with you, the listener. And I hope that you feel welcomed, uh, even as we move into conversations with guests, that you feel welcome to join the conversation. Uh, we welcome you talking to us, DMing us, emailing us. Uh, check us out. Have a conversation with us about whatever we talk about. We'd love to talk about it with you. Our patrons uh, pretty enjoy, pretty much enjoy having conversations with, with me all the time on our live episodes. And 
I hope that if something sparks an interesting conversation for you, that you feel welcome to engage. All right. So the first thing I want to lift up is I'm going to kind of go in chronological, semi-chronological order here. Um, the first thing that came up for me was Ezrin and just his little squad that is uh, doing this this ritual to summon Domina Profundus. And the thing about care in this regard that I'm thinking about is, you know, we get a long visual of them just sitting in the rain. And this is happens again towards the end of the episode. But to care enough about something to become and endure discomfort is, I think, worth noting, right? It, this, this group of people, uh, Corvus, Soren, Ezrin, are willing to sit in an uncomfortable place to be rained on uh, in order to accomplish this goal. And I, I think that we can measure in a way, whether that's helpful or not is a different point, but I think we can measure in a way care by how uncomfortable, how much discomfort rather we are willing to endure in order to achieve the goal that we care about. And I think what we see is that this group cares a great deal about getting in touch with Domina Profundus because the stakes are so high for them. And, you know, jumping to the end, it's really interesting when Domina Profundus does show up that, <laughs> like, they don't care what a kid has to say. Like, who is this child? Until they hear Zubea saying that Ezrin is a king. And it's just really fascinating to me that Sometimes people are more likely to care about you and what you have to say when they know who you are or what station you hold. And I wonder what it would be like if we were willing to break down that barrier just a little bit. And I, and I, I do think we should be, we shouldn't be open to everyone because that's going to mean we're going to get hurt, right? I think that if we listen to everybody, it becomes problematic, right? But... I do think that having some discernment around who we listen to and when could could bring a lot more openness and important conversation to the forefront than what our inner mind hierarchies of who we should listen to. Um, I, I think we can challenge that hierarchy, I think, is the point I'm trying to make. So I guess my question to you and to me that that is being lifted up is... How do I know when and when not to care about who I'm listening to and what they have to say? And when should I care less? When should I care more? And how do I make those judgments in a way that is not only equitable, but in a way that feels fair and just and right? And I don't have a good answer for you because this is a pretty complex situation, but uh, I do think it's worth lifting up. The second thing I want to talk about is Kareem's banishment. So this is a really complex issue, and it's complex because this banishment is done in such a way that feels like we are stripping Kareem of his dignity, not just banishing him. And I think the point of banishment here is to preserve Kareem's life. And what it does is it strips him of everything but his life. And 
I think when we think about the caring option, this banishment should have been, we are going to give you everything you need to survive, but we're going to give you that away from here. We're going to demonstrate that we care for you and the person that you are, but we don't condone the choices that you've made. And I think the, the stripping of his ring, like this possession that he has, seems a little arbitrary to me because like he still has his clothes on right clothes or possessions or are they not right are they like how were how is clothing thought of here because this ring is an accessory that also is quote worthless except to kareem but this guard decides to uh be a stickler and hold him to this and hold him to the rules and so i wonder what it could be if we were able to preserve the dignity of the person as well as hold them accountable. And I think that this punishment failed here. And so I, I, I think that I'm just wondering how we can accomplish that. And I don't, I don't know, but I would love to explore that with someone. And I, I wonder what that might be. So I'm, I'm throwing it to you all as listeners and wondering with you what that might be. My third point is with Rayla, and specifically Rayla and the people who have gone missing in her life. So specifically, we're talking about her parents, we're talking about Runan, and there's this feeling of powerlessness, of helplessness, and she even says that several times, like, I feel helpless to do anything, and this this need to do something is calling her, and so she's doing searching this room, trying to figure out anything that might help her figure out how to help these people. And in the process, she's talking to them, and she even has this vision of of Runan and her parents and telling them that she is she loves them deeply, but she can't prioritize them because the world needs her. And again, it's this complex thought of competing things that we care about. Like, Rayla cares so deeply about these people, but also cares so deeply about doing what is right and good for the world. And it's interesting to me to think about how she speaks to them and how she speaks to them when she knows or at least thinks that they cannot hear her. But just the thought that they might be able to gives her the the compulsion to speak out loud. And so I find that really beautiful that she's in so in touch with these people even through the symbolism of them and i think that often we fail to realize how beautiful and how important that can be for our own personal well-being when we care so deeply about people is if we are able to engage with a symbol it's also giving us the the thought the almost a similar experience of talking to the, to the actual person and I want to go into this a little bit more here. When we, when we think about finding Runan's bow, it wasn't just finding the bow. It was finding a piece of someone that she cared so deeply for. And I find it beautiful here that this bow means so much. And it's so complex because this is the bow that murdered her friend's dad. That she knew that murder was wrong, but she also cares so deeply for the person who who committed that crime. And it's fascinating to think about how much we can love someone who made an error, right? Even when the error is as egregious as an assassination. And so it's 
important to consider that I think a lot of people might judge Rayla for having this much feeling for someone, but who's done such interesting things, I guess. But I don't know. I'm, I'm curious what you all think. This is a, again, it's carrying is not an easy conversation. It's so complex and it's wild. So I'm excited to kind of dive more deeply into this relationship that she has with Runan and, and really question and wonder what it might become in the rest of the season. So, and what forgiveness looks like, right? It's, it's really interesting to, to consider because I'm, I'm going to jump to my fourth point, which is Rayla and Callum. But before I do, I'm going to bring Callum in here to this relationship of how he seems to not be hung up on the fact that she got this bow. And I think that's really interesting because it could easily have been something that he was felt really problematic around, but instead he just offers this unconditional grace, this unconditional trust that he says, this openness. And this brings me, of course, to, to Rayla and Callum's relationship here for, for number four, right? Like, it seems as though Callum in this episode is really, really striving to continuously be open and just be there for Rayla and to let her feel her feelings. And despite what she does with like going behind his back and stealing his key. And he is like, you know what? I trust Rayla. And I know that even though she's going behind my back, she's doing it for reasons that to her are important and he's willing to put up with it and stick with it. And so that's a really interesting question for me is, is that okay? Is that, how we should be operating is this a model for which we can be right and because i do think that this is this is beautiful this is so what i would want of any partner of any person is to say that like hey i'm hiding this from you and i have my reasons and for someone to trust that those reasons are valid and what we see is callum offer that and we see that this relationship is okay so I do wonder if this is a model that we might adapt and might wonder and using Callum as kind of our our, our guiding star, so to speak. Um, and I think also just, and I don't know that I have the capacity to dive into this deeply, but I think that one of the things that we see in this relationship with Callum and Rayla is how sharing how they feel is a form of letting the other person care for them. And what I think we see is that Callum seems better at this than Rayla does. Callum is open about what he's struggling with. Callum shares what's on his mind, what he's hoping to do. And Rayla is not forthcoming and not candid with her, her strife, her feelings, her, her woes. And they are still able to be in relationship with one another. And what I think is really interesting here is this feels like in terms of consider like what is typical quote, what is quote normal. Um, this feels like a gender role reversal in terms of if we live into this binary of male and female, this feels like a, we're pushing up against the binary by swapping roles and showing what it looks like when we have, the the male who is more in touch with their feelings who is more willing to be open and graceful than 
the female. And so I, 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 I do think that's an interesting question to lift up, but I would want to have a conversation more in depth about gender before we were to really dive into that in the context of that in this world. But um, anyway, that's something that came up for me. My last point, and I've been saving this for last because it's really juicy, is between Terry and Claudia. So Claudia is modeling extreme anxiety in this episode. And what we see is just this uh, grappling, this this friction rather, between what is urgent and what is important. And that that is different for Terry. And Claudia is really future-minded here and future-oriented and often anxiety is it's future-oriented rather than present and it's it's interesting because Claudia is telling the story of my dad won't survive if we don't move my dad won't survive if we don't move but Terry is very much in the present thinking if we don't rest he may not survive right and this idea of one person is really feeling the anxiety and demonstrating that, and the other person is relatively calm. And I don't think it's necessarily fair to say that it's it's that simple, right? I don't want to flatten anxiety into just this one thing, but it is interesting to think about anxiety in terms of being in the present versus being in the future. It's not that either of them don't care about Viren, or that one cares more than the other. It's just the way that they care seems very different. Uh, and the way they care and the context of that care in terms of its location and time. And so I offer that as, as one possible conversation around this. The other is, it's really interesting because Claudia has this calming mantra of, you know, their cinnamon has no synonym. And it's interesting because what it seems like is Terry's like, okay, this seems like a source of angst. Let's offer a different narrative. Actually, there are 17 synonyms for, for cinnamon or cinnamon. Oh gosh. In the Earthblood tongue. And that's really fascinating to think, to think about the approach here. And that's a clearly a difference in what they're trying to accomplish. And I think communication here is a demonstration of how, how can we care better for the people that are around us is by communicating. What are you trying to accomplish? What is it that you really want? And how can I help you get it? And the next thing that happens is Terry goes and gets this bag of tricks. And I think it's really interesting that he goes and finds all of these mindfulness exercises, these tricks that are frankly often used in therapy practices that are that are evidence-based, that are sensory, that are somatic, that are focusing on being in the present. And like putting your hand in a bag of smooth pebbles is very sensory. It brings you into this present moment and popping the bubble poppies or, you know, if it, as it were, bubble, uh, oh my God, bubble wrap. And thinking about all of these different tips and tricks that bring you back to yourself in this moment, in this present moment. And the fact that she becomes so calm is really interesting to me because immediately after she becomes calm this homunculus goes you know starts screaming blood of child and again raises the anxiety up and 
I think that's an intentional move on Erebos' part, just saying. So here we are. We've talked about all kinds of cool things about what care looks like. And having tips and tricks is cool. Uh, thanks, Terry, for showing us all these tips and tricks. But there's also just this beautiful, like, grace of just caring. And not, I can't necessarily heal you, but I can be there with you and care with you, which is what we see from Rayla in these coins. And there's a lot of different sides to care that I think are really beautifully touched on in this episode. So that is the bulk of our conversation but don't go away because we're going to come right back for a short sacred practice dive in this season into sacred practices i'm channeling my (laughs) divinity school degree and really leaning into treating the dragon prince as a sacred text in which we are attempting to learn from it and to grow with it and to be critical of it certainly not treating it as a, a perfect resource but rather as something that is generative and helps us grow if we engage with it in that way. So that even as we learn to treat these texts and these shows as sacred, they might help us learn to treat one another as sacred. And so for today's practice, I am a part of a a sacred reading group that meets uh, once a week. And we have had several practices introduced by members. And this is a practice that was introduced by one of our members as something that I had never thought of as sacred before when thought of in an outside context. It's probably something that many of you have done before, even. And many of you have heard of the concept of uh, give us what's what's your rose for the day, what's your thorn for the day. But what this process does, this practice rather, does is it asks of us four things. One, two roses. So that's two things right there. A thorn and a bud. And of course, these are all metaphors. So roses being what are things that we enjoyed about engaging with this episode? Uh, Two things that we really enjoyed that really hooked us that caught our attention that we liked. And one thorn. So two roses, one thorn. Uh, The thorn is something that really kind of irked us or bugged us or kind of was a thorn in our side, so to speak, that was we found problematic or made us worry or something along those lines. And then finally, a bud. And the bud is something that we're looking forward to. It's a rose that's going to bloom later. So something that will come up in a later episode or a later conversation relating to this episode, perhaps, that we are excited about. And just some kind of background as to why, why, what is the pedagogy? What is the reason behind this practice? And I I really want to channel Barbara Fredrickson here, who is a positive psychologist, works at UNC Chapel Hill, and written a few books, one called Positivity and one called Love 2.0, perhaps more. Um, But 
one of the things she talks about in positivity is the quote golden ratio and the golden ratio is a suggestion that uh, at least the evidence suggests that when people are really thriving uh, and experiencing you know the good life so to speak the evidence suggests that they are experiencing three positive things to every one negative thing in their life and that is not necessarily a quality uh, thing. It could be one really, really hard thing. But if you have three somewhat small moments that are like moment of being grateful for something or a moment of, oh, I really enjoyed that or something along those lines, three to one is the ratio that was kind of evidence illustrated as being the moment where people started to feel like they were thriving and so that's rose rose and bud being the quote positive things and the thord being the one that is quote negative and that's kind of living into that praxis but it's also kind of giving us a practices of i'm appreciating more than i am complaining or thinking about in a negative way and that is not to say that complaining is negative, but rather that it can sometimes uh, elicit more behavior like that. And so we want to, you know, condone and practice the things that are lifting us up more, perhaps, than the ones that are that might bring one down. And then finally, the bud being something that we're looking forward to, giving us something to have hope for uh, moving forward. And so ultimately, that's kind of the reasoning behind this and, and why we're using this as a sacred practice. And I want to invite you to, if that feels weird, why would we call something sacred that we do all the time or something that we do at the end of meetings? I wonder if we could frame that in terms of what if that was sacred? What if we, what if it meant that we were treating people and each other as sacred when we engage with this practice? And I think our intention has a lot to do with it. So we're going to go into it with that intent. And I invite you to do the same. So for today's episode, uh, I have two roses. One, I really love the Adora purr. I think it's adorable. I think the Adora burrs were beautiful and really lovely and a cool experience. But the Adora, Adora purr as a, a bigger, larger one is just something that, you know, I like, what a cool thing to just to be able to squeeze and have as a, a pal, a friend that is just filled with care and it's just i i really love it and the fact that claudia says i feel like a puddle of chill while holding it also makes me smile and i just appreciate that i think it's really really lovely and it generally makes me feel good and make me want an adora per myself so that is a rose for me another rose is i just go gooey when i think about callum's trust in rayla i think it's so beautiful in this episode and it's you know it's what many of us who are interested in partnership want in a partner. And like, I think that all of us, regardless of whether we're interested in partnership, are interested in people who give us the benefit of the doubt, who believe us when, believe in us when we make mistakes or when we do things that may go against the grain. I just find it really beautiful that Callum is demonstrating that. And I just really love it. So that's something I really find as a rose. I think it's amazing. <sighs> okay. Thorn. A thorn for me is how Domina Profundus treats Ezrin and the squad. I, I mean, I mentioned this. It's really frustrating when I think about what and how we care for people. But, you know, like, 
as soon as Ezrin starts talking, Domina Profundus just causes this wave to drench them. They're already soaked to the bone in, in rain, and she just blatantly disrespects them instead of just talking over them because she's a loud dragon decides to splash them and talk to Zubea instead and ignore this measly human and I just it just is indicative of the problems of how we treat other uh at least in this show how people outside of the race or uh body type (laughs) of whatever the person is speaking is often there's so much judgment around other races and body types in this show. And I don't know. I just, it's just thorn in my side. I don't love it. Okay. But the bud that I'm looking forward to knowing what's coming is in this next episode, we're really going to get into Viren's dream sequences. And this next episode is just so rich in terms of its complexity and its, the things that are going on and Viren, what's going inside Viren's head. And I'm just really looking forward to, to engaging with that more. So I hope that you will join me in that as well. And finally, our final segment, my favorite segment is gratitude. And so for those of us who are new, this is the segment in which we talk about a character from the episode that we are thankful for and why we're thankful for them. And I think it's pretty difficult for me to pick, but I'm going to go with Callum. Uh, Callum is a really beautiful role model for me, if, at least in this episode, of, of demonstrating what it looks like to, to give people the benefit of the doubt. And I'm really grateful for it. And I hope that I can can model that moving forward. I would love to to do that. And I think that I would feel better about it and about the relationships that I'm in if I were able to do that. So... I am grateful for Callum. And that brings us to the end of our episode, folks. This has been a quick one because we don't have our guest, but even so, I'm looking at the time and it's it's been a, a full-length episode, you know? So thank you all so much for being a part of this. I'm really glad we could begin this season and kick off uh, starting in right now. I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled that you're all going to walk alongside me, hopefully. Uh, and I can't wait to introduce you to all of our guests. So uh, if you would like to uh, be a part of the community and, and learn more and have live episodes with me and do all kinds of cool things, I highly encourage you to check out our Patreon. We are trying to fund enough uh, dollars to help our producer earn a, a living wage on their hours uh, supporting the show and it would be really beautiful if you could help us do that uh if you don't have the capacity it is a great way of supporting us is by writing a review on apple podcasts and so i would really encourage you to do that and you can find us on all the social medias at bnb underscore pod especially uh i again i recommend checking out patreon And I hope to see you soon and engage with you. And if I don't ever learn your name or learn anything about you, know that I care about you. And I'm really grateful that you listened at least to this. Uh, So until next time, be well and do good.